He was screaming. We jumped at him and we beat him so badly. We left him between life and death. As a boy, Yasser was taught in an extremist Islamic school to hate Christians. He never met a Christian until Zachariah came to his high school in northern Sudan. Yasser would slap Zachariah and spit in his face, but Zachariah would just smile. He would take it. I think that's what bless those who curse you looks like. I agree 100%. So this is a different way of look at looking at loving. But sometimes I think the most loving thing we can do is just bite our tongue. It's hmm. just restraint. Yeah. Not doing the thing that we want to do. Then came the fateful night. Yasser and his friends beat Zachariah mercilessly, leaving him for dead. Zachariah didn't die from that beating, but he never came back to Yasser's high school. A few years later, Yasser's cousin caught a deadly virus and fell into a coma. They expected him to die, so each evening Yasser would go to his cousin's hospital room and just sit with him, waiting for him to die. One evening, some believers in Jesus came to the room, which was courageous, and asked Yasser if they could pray for his cousin. And Yasser felt this hatred inside him, but in his culture, you hide the hatred and you act polite. And I think we do that in our culture as well. Yeah, for sure. So Yasser said, go ahead and pray. And his cousin immediately came out of the coma. And that's the night that Yasser, a hater of Christians, became a follower of Jesus. And I kicked off this conversation with Yasser's voice talking about beating Zechariah. And I had a chance to sit down with Yasser in Thailand back in 2017 to just hear this story. Wow, that is incredible. I mean, not, you know, the backstory about how Yasser, um, what's the other guy's name, the boy's name that he was? Zechariah. Yeah, not, not only that being in his backstory, but just that he had such, it wasn't that he was indifferent towards Christianity, that there was literally a hatred inside of him towards Christ until he had an experience of mm. him. Fast forward 25 years after the night Yasser and his friends beat Zechariah. Yasser is now a Jesus follower, and he's speaking at a pastor's conference in Egypt. As he finishes, a pastor approaches him. With tears running down this guy's face, he says, I am Zechariah, the boy you beat and left for dead. And then Zechariah says this, Ever since the night you beat me, I have been praying for you. And I think that's what pray for those who persecute you looks like. Holy cow, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I hope that you never have to deal with that. But, wow, I mean, the commitment to continue to pray for Yasser's heart to be changed, that's incredible. So Zechariah opens his Bible, and there is Yasser's name written inside the front cover. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what love keeps no record of wrongs looks like. Dude, you're killing it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, well, this is such a beautiful, you know, real-time story, today story of the gospel being not just understood and agreed with, but being expressed and lived out through a life. Yeah. And we're talking about, you know, loving difficult people this week on Perry and Chana Mornings and... You know, Jesus' love is not just civility. Jesus' love is this. It's radical. 
it's it's upside down. It doesn't make sense. It 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 goes against everything in me. It's so un-American. Hmm. You know, yeah. the, the American way is that, you know, I get my name on the cup. Look out for number one. You know, it's all about me. Everything is relative. It's just about how I feel about it and what I want of it. You know, there's no truth outside of myself. And to completely empty yourself for the sake of someone else, A, in and of itself, is just radical. But to do that for someone who's been awful towards you, yeah, that's just that's so beyond you know, what our culture esteems and, and disciples us to believe. Well, as I look at our culture, I don't see much of love your enemies. Mm-mm. You know, I look at my own life and am I loving my enemies? I remember when I was, um, this was several years back when we lived in Iowa, I worked at a doctor's office and there was a nurse that I worked with who was explaining a situation to me and and she said she had really gotten revenge on a situation. And she goes, I live by the golden rule. Do to others what they do to you. <laughs> I was like, that's not the golden rule. Like, <laughs> we got that so backwards. Yeah, that's right next to, let's see, God helps those who help themselves. Yeah. All right. Jesus, you have blessed us when we have cursed you. You have prayed for our hard hearts. You haven't kept track of our wrongs. Thank you. Mm. By the Holy Spirit's power, help us to love like this today. Starting off the day with you, and thanks for sharing some of your time. Absolutely. So once a week I meet with um, some pretty incredible women, and Throughout the week, we're reading scripture together, but then when we come together, we just talk about what we have been reading, and we surface questions that we have out of the scripture, like, this doesn't make sense to me, or what do you think that Paul meant by this, or whatever the case may be, and we hold each other accountable, we encourage each other, it's just a sweet time, and we're in 2 Timothy this past week, and so we got into the discussion about 2 Timothy 2, verses 23 and 24 from the New Living Translation, says this, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. And I was like, wow, holy cow, I don't usually read the New Living Translation. So when my girlfriend read this, I was like, we are literally talking about how to love difficult people on Perry and Shauna mornings, and this verse is absolutely perfect. But we were all talking about how God had highlighted that specific verse for us out of all of Second Timothy, all four chapters, right? This is what jumped out at all of us in the conversation. And one of my friends shared that earlier that week, she was at a, gather- a gathering where there was a woman there who's normally not difficult. That's just not typical of her at all. But she was really bristly on this night. And so her first thought was, Lord, is this me? Because she's not normally like this. So am I just having a stinky attitude? Is there something that needs to change in me? But as the conversation went on and the evening went on, at one point, she just very casually reached out and touched the person who was being bristly, like literally reached out with her hand and just gently put it on the other girl's arm while she was talking. And and it wasn't awkward. It wasn't weird. It kind of sounds like it, but it was very natural in the flow of the conversation and their interaction together. But while she touched her arm, she silently began to pray for her friend. So they're having this horizontal conversation and that continued. There was no hitch in the works whatsoever. But while that was happening, she began to pray that God would give her friend peace and that he would enter into the situation. 
And right then and there, she watched this gal's facial expression change right in front of her. Her whole demeanor went from defensive and agitated to relaxed. It was, it was a direct and immediate result to her praying for this gal. And I think there are two things that I learned from the situation that we can all maybe take away from it. One is if you're in a situation with a difficult person, start by asking if it's your attitude that, not, that needs to change instead of assuming that it's the other person. But the second, what my friend did was she realized the person being difficult was not actually her enemy. Instead of, you know, pulling away from her, that's probably what I would do in that situation. And just to protect myself from somebody who's being bristly, I don't want to get poked. She reached out and touched her. And then she began to pray for her that God would intervene. She saw that this person's not the enemy. There's something going on here that's spiritual. And Ephesians 6 reminds us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And I got to tell you, I'm not one who wants to give the devil credit for stuff that's not his. So I'm not looking for, well, that must be the enemy. <laughs> that's, just, that's just Satan's work right there. Yeah, but we are in a battle. We are. It's We're real. in a battle. Yeah, we are in a battle. And it's helpful to remember that our enemy isn't the face in front of us or the person you know that we're having the conversation with. There is an unseen enemy in what's going on. And the unseen enemy's strategy is to divide. And that's what we're seeing today, especially in the West, in America, in Michigan, in West Michigan. What the enemy is, is doing is dividing, divide and conquer. Yeah. And I think that by realizing the person in front of you who's being bristly is not the enemy, that that's kind of step one to maybe asking God what's going on and having compassion for that person, reaching out and touching them when everything, you know, in their behavior is making you want to recoil, pressing in at that moment. That's a God thing right there. But realizing that we are in a spiritual battle, it's not a personal one. And then pray into the situation, invite the King of Kings and Lord of Lords to enter in and then watch what he does. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who persecute you. That's what love looks like. Assad was a respected teacher of the Muslim holy book, the Quran, and a powerful political leader. And one morning he was getting his shoes shined he overheard Sarah, a follower of Jesus, sharing the gospel with another shoeshiner. And Assad was beyond angry. He was livid. He commanded his bodyguards to press pepper in Sarah's eyes. Between her screams of pain, she blessed Assad. And then, as he walked away, Sarah said, May Jesus find you on your way to have the presence of mind to be able to do that in that moment is just incredible. I think that's what bless those who curse you and pray for those who persecute you looks like. Unbelievable that somebody would experience that type of persecution. And I know that's just one example, way more, you know, Christians specifically in other countries who are bringing the faith forward and speaking the gospel are dealing with persecution. But this is so strange to us in America. Hmm. Yeah, and may we, may we be like Sarah. Well, that night, Assad started having dreams of Jesus, night after night. 
They compelled him to look into the Islamic holy books to learn about Jesus, but it wasn't enough. So he thought, maybe I should get a Bible because I, I think it's about Jesus. And so when he read the Gospels, Assad fell in love with Jesus and became his follower. And Sarah, who had the pepper pressed in her eyes, God healed her. She didn't go blind. And Assad considers her his spiritual mother and one of his very best friends. You know, Sarah is one of those unsung heroes who's helping change the world through love, the power of love. There's no guarantee that if you bless that person who's cursing you and pray for the one who's bullying you, that that person will turn around. No guarantee. But I can guarantee this. When you love in this way, you become part of the kingdom revolution that started with the first promise of the Messiah in Genesis 3.15 and will be fulfilled when Jesus Christ comes again. So in your hardships, it is hard to love. It's hard to love in a Jesus way because it's supernatural. It's beyond us. In your struggle to love in this way, don't become weary in doing good, for you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. And I am speaking to myself as well. Okay, we are talking this week about working with difficult, not working with difficult people. Oops. I mean, dealing with difficult people. And <laughs> Romans 12, 18 kind of comes to the surface of the conversation. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, this can be, you know, at first glance, I think this can be a it seems like a very straightforward verse and there's no complexities to it. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And I just want to talk a little bit about the difference between being a peacemaker and being a peacekeeper. I don't like confrontation personally, and I have chosen passivity historically in my life way more than I have chosen to engage in difficult conversations. And I thought that my passivity was me being obedient to God. I thought it was me living out this verse. I thought it was right and good until God called me out on my passivity and revealed it to me as sin. And God was calling me to be a peacemaker instead of a peacekeeper. And the peacekeeper for me meant keeping my mouth shut, you know, believing things would get better, hoping for the best, not addressing situations that needed to be addressed and calling it obedience calling it godliness, honestly. And and I really felt like I'm just trusting God. I'm just trusting God. But I would literally was having a quiet time one day and God called me out on my passivity and just, I felt so clearly from him that he was like, you are not being obedient. You are hiding. You're actually keeping, um, oh, what's the word? Like the dissension in play. You're keeping the unhealth in play. Yeah. By not stepping forward and speaking. You're enabling. Dang it, Perry. Yeah, I was enabling. See, difficult people to work I with. I know. I want to, I sometimes, <laughs> just so you know, I have an urge to throw things at you. I have that urge right now. I'm a really speak. good catcher. Yeah. I can catch whatever you throw at me. <laughs> but there is definitely, yeah, you can. You are good at that. There is a difference between being a peacekeeper and being a peacemaker and being a peacemaker means sometimes you have to be a part of difficult conversations. Sometimes you actually have to instigate them. You have to, you have to initiate. Yeah. You can't be passive. Yeah. You initiate. 
Yeah. And so, you know, if you hear this verse, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If your mind translates that to go, yep, just keep your mouth shut and just keep doing what you're doing. If something wrong is going on, I, I would challenge you to reconsider the verse, bring it before God and see what he would say to you this morning about living at peace with everyone. Thank you for sharing some of your time. Hope you have an awesome day. We're having a conversation about Romans 12, 18. We'd love to hear from you, your thoughts on this verse. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So I was playing ball, basketball at Midland Community Center many years ago. And this particular time, there was a high school basketball player. I was probably in my 30s. And, you know, we were matching up against each other. As I was on one team, he was on another, and I was guarding him. He was guarding me. And I played a little bit of college, small college ball. Didn't get much playing time, but I had been trained to play really physical. So I was, I was being pretty physical with this high school guy. And I didn't know that he took such great offense to it. I don't remember exactly, you know, I don't remember intentionally trying to hurt him or anything like that, but he just took offense to that. And then it was a few years later, we ended up matching up against each other again. And he was really angry at me, really aggressive, really mean. And I remember, you know, some words being said after, you know, he went to the hoop. And so he just blurted all this out. You know, years ago, you were so mean to me. Oh, I was wow. a, I was a high school kid, and you beat up on me, and he took it in that way. Yeah. And so I just realized, okay, I need to de-escalate this right. thing. And so I just said, you know, I put my arm on his shoulder, and I said, peace, you know. But he wasn't having it. And I just said, I don't really know what happened back then, but I am really, really sorry. And he just wouldn't have it. He wouldn't forgive me. Mm. And then we fast forward. We matched up again. We were playing in a men's basketball league. And it was before the game. And I just went up to him. And I said, listen, man, I know we've got some bad blood between us. And I am just, I'm really sorry. Can we, can we just put it behind us? Mm -hmm. You know, because in basketball, it just gets competitive on the floor. And most guys... And gals, you know, they realize, hey, it gets competitive on the floor. What happens on the floor stays on the floor. If you've got to apologize after the game, you know, most people are like that. But this guy just wasn't like that. And he still wouldn't forgive me. And so I'm trying to make peace. Right. You know, as far as it's possible with me, right. I'm trying to make peace. So fast forward, we're playing in a summer league together. And there's a scramble for the ball. And he's got the ball. And I believe to this day intentionally he, he, you know, obviously knew I was in that scramble and he just, he had the ball and he just came up with his head as hard as he could oh, no. right into my face. Mm -hmm. And finally he had gotten his revenge mm. and man, was I ticked off, but I, but I just, I took it. I took it and I said, okay. All right, hopefully we can get past this thing. <laughs> yes. But that's the story. So as far as it depends on you, means as far as it depends on you, we're not in control of the other person. But that's true all the time, isn't it, right? Like we are called to do what we, we try to um, 
over influence our circumstances a lot, I think. You know what I mean? And even in the scripture, as far as it depends on you, you can't take ownership for the other person involved. Mm-hmm. You can only do what you can do. 